Welcome to Truth Is Now Treason. I am Dietrich, and she is the blonde bombshell Lennox. So if you don't know that you have a problem, then how in the world are you going to fix it? If you were to ask most people, do they think the country is in the, going in the right direction, most people would say, what? No, it's not. Even NBC, a tremendous institution of journalism, did a poll at the end of January 2023, and they found that 71% of people responded that our country is headed in the wrong direction. The Hill did a poll in June of 2022, where only 13% of respondents said that the country was headed in the right direction. I must say, those 13% must not be capable of thought. Or maybe it might be the percent of traitors to our country, and they're all located in Washington, D.C. But at least it was 13%. I mean, that's good news. I think most Americans think that the country is headed in the wrong direction when it most certainly is. So we're aware that there are problems, but then this begs the question, what would get us going in the right direction? According to a Gallup poll, it says we are living in an age where Americans think that the U.S. government should be doing more to solve the country's problems. Okay, but the solutions that this regime has been offering up are things that have been pushing our country in the wrong direction. Do you really want them doing more? I would prefer that they didn't. But according to Breitbart, 61% of Gen Z, those are usually people in their 20s or under, see socialism in a positive light. They see it as a perfect example of the notion of thought that the government has all the answers. I'm happy that most are seeing that this nation is headed in the wrong direction. But the problem is that so many in our nation think that the solutions that the Biden regime is offering are actually the solution. Even Christians think this, or else they wouldn't have voted for this guy in 2020. The problem cannot be the solution. So far, what we have seen from Joe Biden is the mentality that socialism is the answer. Now, don't tune us out because this will be our new series that we're going to be covering for the next few weeks. And we want to discuss this topic of socialism and how, as a Christian, we cannot support this because it does go against Scripture. And we're going to prove it. We're going to show how it does not validate it and how many believers don't even know that this political party that they're, they're voting for is pushing anti-Christian ideologies through socialist programs, through thoughts, and how it does go against scripture. So give us some time to explain our thoughts in this series and be sure to like us, follow us, subscribe us, tell others about us. We hope you will share this information that we will be discussing in this series with other believers because we need to, to let them be aware. I think many followers of Christ think that the Democrat Party ideologies are the same as what they were in the 70s and the 80s. And it clearly is not the same political party as we have proven already in our series called, Is This the Beginning of the End? So what is socialism? We're going to state it in the words of Karl Marx and numerous other socialists. This is how they define it. It goes like this, from each according to his abilities to each according to his needs. So what does that mean? It means that you do not own the fruits of your labor. So let's say Dietrich works a 12-hour day, which, of course, he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> and he makes 50 mousetraps an hour. And then, of course, I work an 8-hour day, and I only make 
five mouse traps an hour. Dietrich makes 600 in a day, pretty much, and I only make 40. And I like how he made me make fewer than he. <laughs> so then Lennox says, as of course she would, I need more money to feed my kids. In socialism, money would be taken from Dietrich and given to Lennox. I mean, but why would you? Why? I mean, Dietrich worked harder. He worked longer. But that's the way socialism works. Because you do not own what you made. It is given to the collective. Everyone owns it. And as a result, if you have more because you worked harder, it doesn't matter. What you have made is given to others who have needs. That is what is meant by from each according to his abilities to each according to his needs. Now, we are going to define in this episode three different models, and we're going to compare them. And it's going to be simple. We're going to keep it simple. We're going to define communism, socialism, and capitalism, because we need to know the difference. Communism is a political theory derived from Karl Marx that advocates class war, which Dietrich will explain in a minute, that will lead to a society where all property is publicly owned, and each person works and is paid according to his abilities and needs. Socialism is a political and economic theory which advocates that the means of production, distribution, and exchange should be owned or regulated by the community as a whole. And of course, the United States was founded on capitalism, and it's defined as an economic and political system in which a country's trade and industry are controlled by private owners for profit, which means they get their own profit. They run their business the way that they see it. The government, the community has has no say or little say because we know that government loves to get involved. So when it comes down to it, what are the differences between socialism and communism? The reality is when it comes to how they operate, not much. Now, when you're looking at these definitions and we've got them from Google, so if you're wondering where they came from, that's it. The only difference they list between communism and socialism is this. Communism advocates class war. What does that mean? It means that the poor are to see the rich as their enemy, and they will be willing to fight and destroy them for the good of the worker. So let's think about this. Who are those on the left constantly pointing out as evil people? The rich. The rich are bad. The rich are greedy. Bad. Bad, bad, bad. The rich only hurt us and never provide anything for us. They don't pay enough in taxes. They get all the tax breaks. On and on it goes with the left. Now, many politicians on the far left like to call themselves democratic socialists. Like there really is such a thing. (laughs) (laughs) In reality, what they're showing through their actions of demonizing the rich and canonizing the poor is that they're actually communists. They are striving to start a class war. This is one of the fundamental principles of communism. So don't let them fool you. That's what they really are. So with both communism and socialism, there is no private property. You do not own land. It's part of the community or the collective. What you make when you work is not yours. It is owned by the workers. Gosh, that kind of rings a bell with the WEF. By 2030, buddy, you're not going to own a thing and you will be happy. Now, not every socialist nation behaves completely like this, but this is how the theory of socialism goes. And this is what the theory of communism is. You own nothing. Everything goes to the workers, the community, or whoever. Going back to capitalism, it's when the industries, the business of the nation, are privately owned, which means anybody could start a business. It doesn't matter who it is. And if you start that industry, it, as well as the profits that you make from the industry, belong to you. The government doesn't tell you what products to make. 
They don't get any of your money. So if you work hard and are successful, then the money that you make is your own. Now you might be thinking, gosh, Lennox, that makes common sense. And it does. And that's the way that it's supposed to be. There are many, though, who would disagree with you. And the fact is there have been attempts at various forms of socialism in the history of our country. Woodrow Wilson, I'm embarrassed that he's from Ohio, (laughs) but he was one. FDR was another person in our past who tried it. But there is another one that not too many people are aware of. And it began with the very beginning of the Europeans in this nation. The Plymouth Colony had an aspect of it that was very socialist. Now, when we were in kindergarten and early elementary school, we all heard the story of the pilgrims and the Mayflower. They came to America. They established a colony in Plymouth in the winter of 1620. The first winter was hard and half the colonists die, but the survivors are hardworking and tenacious, and they learn new farming techniques from the Indians. The harvest of 1621 is bountiful. The pilgrims hold a celebration and give thanks to God. They're grateful for the wonderful new abundant land he has given them. That's not what really happened. It's actually quite different. That was a nice story. But the problem with this story is that the harvest of 1621 was not bountiful, nor were the colonists really hardworking and tenacious, possibly. 1621 was actually a famine year, shortage of food, and many of the colonists were really described as lazy and maybe thieves. In his book, The History of the Plymouth Plantation, the governor of the colony, William Bradford, he reported that the colonists went hungry for years because they refused to work in the field. They preferred instead to steal food. He said the colony was riddled with corruption and confusion and discontent. The crops were small because much of it was stolen both by day and night before it even barely became edible. So in the harvest feast of 1621 and 22, those couple years, it's described it as all had their hungry bellies filled, but only briefly, because the prevailing condition during those couple of years was not the abundance that the official story claimed. It was famine and most likely death. The first Thanksgiving was not so much a celebration as it was really seen as maybe, hey, this might be my last meal. But in the subsequent years, something changed. The harvest of 1623 was different. What happened? After the poor harvest of 1622, writes Bradford, they began to think how they might raise as much corn as they could and obtain a better crop. They began to question their form of economic organization. So prior to 1623, their laws required that all profits and benefits that they made were to be placed in the common stock of the colony and that all such persons as are of this colony are to have their meat, drink, apparel, and all provisions out of the common stock. In other words, they were practicing socialism. You made something, you put it into the common pile, everybody took from it. The person was to put everything they could and only take what they needed. That's socialism. In practice, you own nothing. Everything from your labor is put into the common good for those who have need. So this is why the pilgrims were starving, though, because Bradford goes on to write that young men that were most able and fit for labor and service complained about being forced to spend their time and strength to work for other men's wives and children. He also went on to say that the strong had to give the fruits of their labor to the weak. So the young and strong, the people who were capable of working, refused to work. And then the total amount of food produced was never really adequate because of that. So to rectify the situation, 
1623, Bradford abolished socialism. He gave each household a parcel of land and told them they could keep whatever they produced or trade it away as they saw fit. In other words, he replaced socialism with a free market. And that was the end of the famines. When a man is allowed to profit from his labor, most will do what they can to provide for themselves and their family as well as create an abundance. When a man is usually forced to share the profits of his labor with others, there's really no incentive to do better for yourself. This is nothing new. This is human nature. Now, if you're questioning all this, this story is in the book of Plymouth Colony by William Bradford. Those of you who want to believe that socialism is a better system are not aware of history. We know what happens to those who are not aware of history. You're doomed to repeat it. So no wonder people on the left do not want our children learning history. And William Bradford was kind of like the mayor of sorts of the Plymouth Colony. In our next few episodes, we're going to dive into more biblically, talk about how Christianity and socialism do not go together. We will use scriptural evidence to refute the socialist agenda and its ideology. Pass the word along. Join us as we get into the scriptures more. Until, Until next time, time my fellow traders. traders.